Hey there, friend. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're having a great day. Well, here we are at the end of October and finishing up Psalm 24. And I was just thinking about sitting here thinking about, you know, it being fall and how many, I wonder, I have no idea how many falls in my life I have gone on a fall retreat. Is that something you do, go on a fall retreat? It's been a lot. And I was just thinking back through Oh, all of the many years of fall retreats. I went as a as a teenager on youth group retreats in the fall, and then I went as a youth leader staff on fall retreats, and then I've been on several fall retreats, uh, women's retreats. And I'm not going on one this year, which makes me kind of sad, but I was thinking back on uh, some of my memories of fall retreats and just sort of like a highlights Definitely lots of pranks on youth retreats, at least, uh, and lots of fun memories of all of those. I was thinking, what is my favorite memory of a retreat? And I think I have to say, the one that comes to mind first, there's lots of great moments and blessings and all that. But the one that comes to mind first is one year, my young, my mom's Bible study that I was in when I was a young mom for, I was in it for 10 years. Uh, with mostly the same women the whole time. It was just such a, such a sweet, special time in my life. And we did our own retreat, just our Bible study. We didn't wait for the church to have one. We just said, you know what, we're going to do one ourselves. And um, the first one we did, that's the one I'm thinking of. We went to my parents' house. They generously offered their house up for the retreat Um, And they lived in a big house and they were in Canada at the time. So we were able to use the whole house. And we, I think we had everybody in a bed, maybe one or two people were on the floor. I don't remember, but we took over the house and we had, you know, our own little retreat there. And it was just so sweet. And what I remember about it in particular, we, the theme was um, fruit of the spirit. And we did a thing where we encouraged everyone to write little notes about what fruit they saw in each of the other women, and then leave the notes on their pillow um, at some point, just randomly during the retreat. And it was just the sweetest thing. And I remember finding these little slips of paper in an old journal. I'd kept them. I must have found it 10 years later um, and reading again all these things that my friends had said about me. And it was just so encouraging and just such a, such a great time. I'm so thankful for that and for that group, for that group of friends, and just for retreats. Aren't they awesome? I love going on retreats. They're just great. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about today and being thankful for that. And I hope that when you listen to this podcast, it feels like a a very, very mini retreat for you. And I would love to do that again, to just take over a house and plan a retreat. That would be so fun. Maybe we'll do it. Not this fall. This fall's too busy, but maybe sometime soon. Let me know if you'd like to do that too. But for now, we're going to finish up pondering Psalm 24. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie. And I hope and pray that as you listen and ponder these scriptures for a few minutes with me, you will truly be encouraged and filled with the joy of the Lord today. Okay, so our last week on Psalm 24. 
I hope you've enjoyed reading through this psalm, listening to this psalm, and focusing on the attributes of God. Um, I think it's a great thing to do no matter what we're reading in the Bible, right? And it's always encouraging to be reminded of the attributes of God through anything, really, whether it's creation or a friend sharing testimony or a passage of scripture. It's so important. You know, it might be like, well, yeah, duh, I know who God is, but we need, I I feel that we all need to be reminded of all of these different attributes of who God is, that he's all of these things at the same time, because it's so easy to forget. And I feel like every time we're reminded of who God is, like a list of his attributes and a description of what they are, I feel like it just, I don't know, for me, it just makes this peace come over me. Like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's who God is. And he's right here right now. Like, I just love that. Anyway, this is my last time in Psalm 24. And this time I'm, I'm finally getting to in this Psalm, there is a description of how we as Christians, as followers of Jesus are supposed to respond to God. Like we're looking at who he is. And so now what do we do? And I've kind of been skipping over it and ignoring it until now. I wanted to first really just ponder who God is and then save how we respond for the, the finale, I guess you could say. So how do we respond? Well, I thought before I read the psalm again, I'd read you some quotations I've collected on how we're supposed to respond, how we should respond to this focus on the attributes of God. Here's a little something I found. How should the believer respond to the attributes of God? We respond to God's holiness with repentance and worship. We respond to God's love with humility, repentance, reciprocal love. We love because he first loved us and with love poured out to others. We should respond to the idea and the knowledge of God's sovereignty with submission and honor of God. We should respond to God's faithfulness with trust. He's faithful so we can trust him. We should respond to God's grace with gratitude. We should respond to God's power with just complete awe. And we should respond to God's knowledge, his um, omniscience, with requests for guidance and wisdom. He knows everything, so we should ask him for guidance and wisdom. I think those are just such great examples of how we respond to each of his attributes. Here are some quotations about responding to who God is. This one's from Tozer. The first thing that comes into your mind when you think about God reveals who you are. And he also said, nothing matters more than what you think about God. As your knowledge of God goes, so goes your life. We cannot be wrong about God and right elsewhere. And the importance of knowing the attributes of God. And Jen Wilkins said, until we have had that vision of him high and lifted up, we won't rightly understand how it is that we can be conformed to his image. We can never really know how to be like Jesus until we know who Jesus is. That's basically what she's saying. And so... Let's take another look at Psalm 24 
and how the Lord encourages us to respond to him through this psalm. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And here's our response. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So, the person part of this psalm versus the God part. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can approach God? It's a good question. Who can approach God? None of us without Jesus. But what does Jesus give us? Who can stand in his holy place is the next line. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Why those words? Well, clean hands, that's our deeds on the outside. Pure heart, that's our motivation and our attitude, our thoughts on the inside. So we need to be cleansed. We need to be made right on the inside, internal thoughts and struggles and attitudes, and on the outside in what we're doing with our hands. And that's, to put it in the reverse, that's what Jesus offers us. He cleans us on the inside and the outside. So coming to Christ, becoming a Christian, living as a follower of Christ should affect my attitudes and my actions. There's a challenge, but it can. That's the cool thing that it goes on to talk about the blessing. God makes it possible for us to become different. You know, without Jesus, we really can't change, but with Jesus, we can. And you know, I have to say, I have to pause here and just say a little commentary from Susie. I'm feeling like I'm meeting a lot of people who just, I don't know, day to day who think that people can't change or want to change someone else instead of changing themselves. We really, we can't, we can't focus on changing other people like a husband or a wife or children or whatever. God does not tell us you can change them. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you that is like the greatest way to be frustrated in your life is to be trying to change other people. But we We can change ourselves by submitting to God and saying, God, change me. Change me on the inside. I am so angry at this person. Will you change that in me? Or I don't want to do this job. I don't want to take care of these kids or whatever it is. Will you change that in me? And God can. That's amazing to me. I just just think that's amazing. And sometimes we need to be reminded that those things are possible. Or, you know, some action, some outward behavior, some sinful habit that we feel like we can't let go of. God can change that. 
God wants to change that. So here's your reminder. We can't change other people. You cannot change your spouse or your child or your teacher or whoever it might be. But God can. God can change them. And God can change you. God can change me. We have to focus on how we can change in a relationship or a situation, not how the other person can change. Clean hands and a pure heart. That's what God wants from us. To me, this verse, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And it's he who has clean hands and a pure heart. It's describing what close fellowship with God is like. You know, we have relationship with God through faith, right? Not through what we do, but through faith in him. And then we're going to go to heaven. But relationship is different from fellowship. And I feel like this verse is a little clue to what creates close fellowship with God. Like, you know, you have some friends that you would just call acquaintances and others that are like your best friend. You have greater fellowship with those people, with your best friend. You know them better. You like hanging out with them more. You spend more time with them and you get each other, right? That's close fellowship. And we can have that kind of close fellowship with God. And here's a clue to what creates close fellowship, clean hands and a pure heart. So what is that? Keeping short accounts of our sin, saying, Lord, show me, show me how my, how anything in me is impure or unclean. And if we do that, we're going to have closer fellowship. And in fact, we're going to have blessing because what this says next is the person with clean hands and a pure heart, that's the he, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You will receive blessing when you keep short accounts with God and when you allow God to make you into his image. It's going to be a blessing. It can sometimes feel like not a blessing, like you have to give up something you enjoy. I mean, a lot of sin is like that, right? Or you're going through a painful process of realizing how much you messed up. <laughs> That's not fun. But blessing is going to come from it. And then I like this part. So that's the first thing. Clean hands, pure heart. That's how we respond. And there's no better way to become aware of your sin than to focus on God is holy. You're going to see your own sin. But then the second thing I see here in the response part is, such is the generation of those who seek him who seek the face of the God of Jacob, a generation, a whole generation who seek the face of God, a generation of people praying, a generation of people seeking God. That's pretty awesome. I like the, the whole generational aspect that as we focus on who God is in our homes, we are building up the next generation who will seek the face of God. That's pretty cool. And another thing I see in this psalm, so it has these verses about the person responding to who God is, right? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. We covered that part. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Two descriptions of honesty. Have you, you know, telling lies is so often, I, I find telling lies is so often um, used as an example to show that everybody sins. Like how often have you heard somebody 
teach, well, you know, we all tell lies. Like it's almost like it's no big deal. But clearly it is a big deal. I think it's true. We do all lie um, on occasion. We call them little white lies or big fat lies, but they're, you know, not the truth. And here it's two descriptions of not lying, of being honest, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Have you ever, you know, made a decision that you're not going to tell lies anymore, that you're going to tell the truth, you're going to be honest? Or another way to say it is to walk with integrity. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to tell the truth all the time. And yet, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to not lift our souls to what is false and not swear deceitfully, not make an oath deceitfully, to live with integrity and to live honestly. That's a challenge. And I think without God, it's impossible. But it is part of how we are supposed to respond to who God is. We look at God and see how perfect he is and how he always tells the truth and that he's calling us, you know, be holy for I am holy. Be honest. Live with integrity. Don't flatter. Don't deceive. But in kindness, speak the truth in love. That's what we're to do. And the last thing we see in how we should respond when we look at who God is is to open the gates. We respond to who God is by inviting him in. Psalm 24 says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. And then again, repeat it. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. This is what the world needs to do, and this is why we must proclaim. Listen, let me tell you about our God. So, will you consider who God is and open your life again to him today? Open your home, open your business, open your church. Open the gates that have been locked shut. Maybe you've locked gates shut over your heart and your life, trying to guard against hurt or to keep out pain with the heavy chains of fear. Well, consider this King of glory and open up to him. Consider this King of glory. He is sovereign. He isn't overwhelmed or trying to figure things out. God is in control. Whatever is causing you stress today or anxiety or worry or whatever whatever you want to call it, God is in control. He is powerful and mighty and nothing is too hard for him. So open your heart and your life to him. You can trust him. God is holy. He is completely perfect. Perfect in such a way that he's radiating the brightest light. And yet we can approach him with confidence, even with boldness, because we do so in Jesus' name. So open up to him because you have been forgiven and made clean. And he is good. God is good. When we let him in, we experience grace, blessings we've never earned, and mercy. That's forgiveness and a newness we never thought possible. So open up to him. You can trust him with your biggest mistakes, your shame, your regrets, your need to start over. Open up and find reasons to praise and rejoice once again. This is our God, 
And this is our life with our God, if we will open our hearts and our very lives to him once again, not just once, not just once when you ask Jesus into your heart, but again today, open up to this, our God, the King of glory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Thanks for listening, and I pray that in your thoughts, in your words, wherever you go, you will be more aware of our King of glory, strong and mighty, the King of glory, mighty in battle, and that you will open up to him anew. Till next time. Thank you.